We live in a democracy where we, in theory, have the power to decide who's in charge and what that means for us. However, it's estimated that only slightly more than 58% of eligible voters voted in the 2016 election that put Donald Trump in the White House. That's barely more than half of those that could have voted. In the past few years, voter turnout for local elections has hovered around 20-25%, to 25%, meaning somewhere between a quarter and a fifth of those eligible to vote. And some research shows that these numbers appear to be decreasing. So would compulsory voting fix low voter turnout, and what does it mean to vote meaningfully? Today, Dr. Shane Singh from the UGA School of Public International Affairs will answer these important questions about voting. This is the UGA SBS spinoff. Part 1. Compulsory Voting The obvious thing about compulsory voting is that it increases turnout, right? That's mm -hmm. not exciting. Nobody really cares. Mm -hmm. um, but what's more interesting is that there are effects of compulsory voting beyond turnout. Mm -hmm. So. Um, for example, one of the papers that I had listed shows that compulsory voting for some people can make them less satisfied with democracy, right? So mm. people don't like being told what to do. For some people, being told to vote is being told what to do because they're not, they don't have a sort of natural inclination to go out and vote. And so if, if they're compelled to vote legally under threat of some kind of fine, then they can actually become a little bit upset and less satisfied with the democratic system. So. Um, that's that's one of the papers and then like another one looks not at how voters are affected by compulsory voting but how parties are so political mm -hmm. parties will seek votes in different ways when they are seeking votes from an electorate that is compelled to the polls um, and that's because they're at least according to my theory their belief is that the types of people who are voting are going to be systematically different under compulsory voting as compared to voluntary voting and so the way that they sort of pitch themselves and try to get support is going to be a little bit different right mm -hmm. um, and so like so those two articles um, sort of formed the basis of a book project that I'm working on mm -hmm. uh, and that I think I list from is under contract with Oxford University Press can you talk a little bit about the link between compulsory voting and invalid balloting? Yeah, yeah, so that's a, that's also sort of part of the book project. I haven't talked about that one yet. Um, so here the idea is that in a voluntary system, if you don't want to vote for whatever reason, you just stay home and nothing happens to you, right? except for maybe your neighbors say you should have gotten voted. Um, in a compulsory system, if you don't vote, depending on the system, you might pay a $20 fine, you might, if it's Brazil or Bolivia, you might lose access to getting a passport or to getting a bank account or taking the GR, the equivalent of the GRE. Um, and so you pretty much have to go vote. But let's say that you don't like any of the parties, let's say you just, you're upset about the system or you just want to convey your dissatisfaction. So there your option is to go to the polls, check off your name, avoid the fine, but just spoil your ballot. So we see that there's more invalid balloting in compulsory systems as compared to voluntary systems, and the predictors of invalid balloting are exactly what we would expect. So people who don't like the parties, people who don't like democracy, um, people who are less informed about politics, they're the ones who are out there spoiling, spoiling their ballots where voting is compulsory. Um, these are the people that stay home where voting is voluntary because they can, where voting is compulsory, they go, but they're not really contributing anything to the social choice except 
by, except that they're just conveying their dissatisfaction by spoiling their ballots. So with compulsory voting, you can get people out to the polls, but you can't necessarily get them to cast a meaningful ballot. What drew you to that research? I did a study abroad in Australia when I was a senior in college, mm -hmm. and while there I learned that voting is compulsory, mm -hmm. and it has been since 1924. And as an American, that was like literally foreign to me. Um, like I was like, that's, that's not democratic, how can you make somebody go vote, right? Mm -hmm. And I've come around a bit, I think maybe it is democratic, we're forced to serve on juries and educate our kids. Um, but it was very intriguing to me, and I thought, yeah, it's going to raise turnout, but there must be some second-order effects, right? Mm -hmm. This must shape democracy. And so I, since then, so then I went to do, do a PhD, and the, I sort of forgot about it for a little bit, but then when I was doing my PhD, I read some literature on compulsory voting and how it increases turnout, and it made me realize we can study this stuff uh, scientifically, quantitatively, and sort of look for patterns. And so from there, I just started looking into the data and, and it's been a huge part of my career for 10 years. Wow. Are there any places that do something sort of in between, like reward voting, but it's not compulsory? Yeah, or... that's an interesting question. So as far as I know, and I have looked into it, there are no countries that reward turnout. Uh, we don't have it in the US and uh, I don't know of anywhere else. Um, and so that, that's an interesting idea. Maybe you could increase turnout with extrinsic incentives instead of threatened punishment. Um, but there's just, we can't study that because it doesn't exist. Hmm. We can only theorize about how that might affect behavior. Yeah. So hopefully it happens someday and we can <laughs> look into it. Part two. Would you vote if you didn't have to? We've been conducting simulated elections. And so we have this computerized election platform that we built, mostly Jason built, and um, we get samples of voters from different countries to go into our simulated elections and um, they can look at information on different political parties and depending on which country they're from we will show them information on the parties from that country. Um, and so they click all the information, they read it, and then they cast a, a vote. And the whole time uh, we track what they do. So we track the information they're looking at, how long they look at it, which parties they vote for, and we also um, have them answer a bunch of survey questions so we have an idea of who these people are and their political leanings and everything. Um, and so the study that was used in the paper that you just mentioned, uh, we, we did with Australian voters. And so Australians, as I mentioned, they're all forced to vote. There's compulsory voting for everybody over 18. Um, and so we asked this survey question before they went into the simulated election, and the question was, would you vote if you didn't have to? Right? And so a lot of people said if voting were no longer compulsory in Australia, they would stop voting. And so those are the people we consider to be reluctant voters. They only vote because it's compulsory. If it was voluntary, they would stay home. And so what we found is those people, they're less likely to actually seek out information on the parties. What they're doing instead, it seems, is just sort of casting a vote without really getting informed. Um, and so our belief then is that the people who are forced to the polls in Australia, um, they're probably 
less likely to cast a meaningful ballot to get out and seek out information, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's, I mean, there's that, that belief is open to argument because this is all based on a survey question. Uh, would you vote if you didn't have to? And I mean, that we don't know what they would really do. That's what they say they would do. So mm -hmm. it's academic research. It's open to refutation. Um, but yeah, what we think is that compelled voters in Australia are probably casting, let's say, less meaningful ballots than, than those who are voting because they really intrinsically want to. Part three, what makes a vote meaningful? In places where they have compulsory voting, do more people vote meaningfully? Yeah, that's a great question. So yes, I think even though, well, meaningfully, I don't know, it's tough to know, but sure. even though there's more invalid votes in mm -hmm. countries with compulsory voting, there's, even if you take those out, there's also more valid votes, right? So compulsory voting does increase the overall level of valid voting, too. Right. Okay. So it increases invalid voting, but it also increases uh, valid voting. Um, so there are some people who are compelled to vote who would probably otherwise stay home and then cast a valid ballot. What we don't necessarily know is whether those additional valid ballots are meaningful, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the research with Jason from Australia shows that maybe they're not meaningful. Mm -hmm. But this gets into a sort of like ethically difficult territory. What makes a vote meaningful? If somebody wants to go out and cast a vote for Party X for just because Party X has a leader and they like that person's clothes, does that make it not meaningful? I, I don't know. Right? It's not my job or anyone's job to say what is a democratically meaningful ballot. Um, but the way that we define it in that article with Jason is like it's meaningful if they seek out political information, right? Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, that's a controversial definition of meaningful. Uh, if somebody wants to vote for someone because their dog barked at the TV when that person was on TV, maybe that's fine, I don't know. Um, but it seems like the democratic ideal would be that pe people are casting ballots for parties or candidates who represent their beliefs about how the country should be run. And uh, it seems like those types of ballots are less likely to be cast where there's compulsory voting. Hmm. So it's, you know, you can get, you can wade into like difficult ethical territory with questions like this. Yeah. Um, but my research and others seems to show that ballots are less meaningful in the sense that they're less likely to reflect one's political preferences hmm. where voting is compulsory. Yeah, it seems like if you could just get your name first on the ballot you'd have a way higher chance of winning. Well, and that's an interesting thing to mention. So in Australia, there's this phenomenon called donkey voting. And donkey voting is when people go and they just start at the top of the ballot and go straight down. Yeah. And they think that donkey voting is so common in Australia because people have to vote. Right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, see, that's, that's a, a good question. It would be cool to study. Could we see if people at the top of the ballot do better in countries with compulsory voting as compared to voluntary. Fascinating stuff. That concludes our first episode of the SPIA spin-off. Dr. Singh is an associate professor in the Department of International Affairs within the School of Public International Affairs for SPIA at the University of Georgia. He is also an instructor in the ICPSR summer program in quantitative methods of social research. His research and teaching interests are in comparative political behavior and elections. 
Special thank you to Athens based band Miss Nomer for letting us use their song Justice Part 1 as our theme song. To hear more of their music, check out their website, misnomersound.com. For more information about UGA School of Public and International Affairs, check out our website or follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure to catch all the episodes in our fall podcast series. You can find them on our website, spia.uga.edu, as well as on SoundCloud, iTunes, CastBox, Google Play, and Stitcher.